This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Hockey Canada announcing late this afternoon that after ongoing discussions with the New York Rangers, Alexis Lafreniere will not be released to represent Canada at the World Juniors in Edmonton starting on Christmas Day. Hockey Canada saying they're disappointed by this decision, but they understand and respect it. Of course, Hockey Canada staying in uh, in quarantine in Red Deer for a few more days before they will get back to team activities in preparation for the tournament, which is at Edmonton, Rogers Place this year with no fans. And then next year, it's going to be in Edmonton and Calgary as planned, uh, as it was going to go off this year with fans and one pool here and the other pool down the highway in, uh, in Cam Moon Town, as we have come to call it. That's how big he is in red deer so some of the topics covered in the first hour of the show uh we uh we talked about the lafreniere news we were talking about the new name and imagery for the double e football team we gave you the latest on nhl discussions such as they are we talked a little bit about uh, the possibility of outdoor hockey games in the nhl regular season and uh, we even talked a little bit about star trek i'm going to update a game that's going on right now now, this is, okay, this is a pet peeve of mine. It's an MLS playoff game. Sporting Kansas City is taking on Minnesota. It's 1-0 for Minnesota in the 34th minute. Minnesota's team name is United FC. Why does it have to be both? I mean, every, every soccer team only has one of four names anyway. It's either United, FC, City, or Wednesday. And for some reason, Minnesota is both. They're, they're a United and they're an FC. There's one guy I blame for this because he has allowed this to happen over the years by going on Total Sports and then on Oilers Now and, and pumping up international soccer. And then the people in Minnesota thought, Bob Stoffer likes soccer. We're just going to call our team name the dumbest name ever, United FC. Bob, I'm holding your feet to the fire here, buddy. Reed, how often have you actually ever heard me talk about the MLS? Um, sorry, man, not to be a, a soccer snob, but come on, there's a big difference between uh, following the Bundesliga or uh, La Liga or uh, Syria. You know, come on, man, seriously, man. Are we, you know, uh, the prim? Are you actually comparing that to? No, not at all. I just, okay. I just want, I just want to be on the record that United FC is overkill and a terrible name. It's a bad name. <laughs> that's, that's that's good. But don't, don't don't some of the English soccer teams actually have names that aren't you? Like who, who is it that it's the, the Reds? Is that Man U or Liverpool? Uh, well, Liverpool would be the Reds. Yes. But they don't really use the nicknames like we do in North about, America for teams. The, how about the Tottenham Hotspur? Is that not a good name? That is a great name. I agree. That's an awesome name. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, hey, uh, the University of uh, New Brunswick, who, of course, the Alberta Golden Bears used to play every year. Uh, they, they had like four different names. They were like the Squirrels and the V-Reds and the Reds. And uh, 
Yeah, they had all these different names dating When back. were they the squirrels? I don't know, back in the 40s or the 50s. Oh, not okay, not in our lifetime. I didn't know no, that. No, but they still are short form referred to that occasionally by the writers in that market where they actually have writers that cover uh, youth sport in that market. Reed, uh, I know you saw the story about the Mount Royal team that had a massive amount of positive cases. I, I don't know if you've mentioned this, but the Alberta Golden Bears got tested as well. They didn't have any positive cases amongst their team. Of course, they were supposed to be taken on Team Canada. So you brought up the situation with yeah. Alexis Lafreniere, and uh, Alberta was ready to play, and their game got cancelled because of a little bit of an outbreak with Hockey Canada. These are indeed challenging times, to say the least. Well, didn't uh, didn't the Dinos have some issues as well? I'm not sure what was going on there with the Dinos. I just because they were know. supposed to be the third weekend, right? And Alberta looked like they might be ended up having to be that uh, third weekend as well. And who knows? I mean, this th- th- this whole situation is so fluid. I mean, look at the NCAA football schedule. There's anywhere from eight to 25 cancellations or reschedulings a week. Uh, Ohio State, in theory, might not be able to play for the conference championship because they haven't played enough games, but they still nonetheless will, you know, could conceivably qualify for the top four for the uh, national championship. So it's just, there's, it's a weird time to say the least. Everybody's just got to be flexible. Well, and, and I think that um, the National Hockey League is going to have to be flexible. Like I thought Brian Burke was was excellent today. And look, I, I've been totally upfront, Bob, that I, I understand why the players would be annoyed. And I know they get big contracts, and, and I know 50% is, is 50%, and you have to adjust along the way. But I, I don't blame them for trying to hang in there and get as much as they can. But as, as you and I have both said, 100% of nothing is, is still nothing, whatever they wind up getting out of that. But man, oh, man. It is December third. They were they were saying, okay, well, by of course, by American Thanksgiving, the NHL will have something figured out. It's December third, and Pierre LeBron reports today. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of talking, but not, at, like, at what point? At what point does it kick into high gear? And they're going to oh. say, okay, no more farting around. Let's pick some dates. Well, uh, speaking of dates, I had somebody uh, in the league today mention to me that December 29th was going to be the start of training camp after uh, the Christmas break. And all I could think of is how the heck are you going to get players into Canada uh, on a 14-day quarantine? How is that even the least bit remotely feasible? I, I don't see how it is. So to me, I think we're looking at January 15th in terms of uh, training camp and dropping the puck on February f- uh, 1st, playing February, March, and April, getting in a 48-game skid during those months, and then uh, turning around and having two months for the playoffs in May and June and uh, getting it done by the end of June. To me, that makes the most sense. And um, I totally understand the fans' frustration. I will tell you, this is a, you know, if I if I wasn't working for the Oilers Entertainment Group, I might have even a stronger opinion on, you know, maybe some of the direction that, you know, like Don Fear is heading up the Players Association. He's not even ba- he's not based in Canada. Uh, he's he's not even based in a hockey market, um, and but. Uh, by the letter of the law, you would have some people. I mean, you have people here as an example that would say, "Well, you got to, you know, I have a union, I have a union contract, and I don't care if Alberta's hurting too, too damn bad. This, I, I got to get paid. I got to get paid this based on this." And we'd all sit there and say, "In private sector, well, the realization is the money's not there." And so, I, 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 Reed, I wonder whether or not this goes the baseball route, where it gets really ugly and there needs to be a significant threat of cancellation of season before the players come around a bit. But, again, I'm like you, uh, 50% of nothing. 
uh, is still nothing. And 50% of something is at least something. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I, you know, I, I defer to a guy like Brian Burke, who basically said that the, the model doesn't make sense. The players would owe the league huge money. Reed and I also, I will say this. When Gary Bettman spoke before the start of the Stanley Cup final, he said 50% of the money that gets brought in is from fans. Mm-hmm. And he did that because he was embellishing how much he was bringing in with his TV money. And I, like, you know, that's my theory as to why he did that. I'm not convinced that the number isn't higher, that it's actually more dependent, you know, 60 to 65% of the league's money is uh, brought in uh, by fans being in attendance. So the league's in a tough spot here, and I think the players are going to have to uh, come to a point where they're going to have to play ball if, if they want to play. Otherwise, maybe we just don't play. So you mentioned going the baseball route, Bob, and part of baseball's whole sort how did of... Neg- how did that negotiation self- go? Go. Okay, and here, let's just bear with me for a sec. But part of baseball's whole mystique that it tries to build about, about itself, whether you're a fan or not, is they try to say, like, man, you're playing almost every day. Like, you're playing 162 games, and that's why it counts, and that's why it's so hard. And then they play a 60-game season. So how how short could it go in hockey? I mean, we've heard that, okay, they won't go less than 48. Does that Could we be talking about a 32-game hockey season if it I'd, goes that I'd poorly? Be, I'd be stunned with it, but you just did the math, you know. Um, they ended up getting a 60 season. At one point, the players offered an 89-game sched, and then uh, – you know, the Major League Baseball Players Association on June the 23rd informed the league on Tuesday that the players will comply with Commissioner Rob Manfred's imposed outline for the 2020 season. We ended up getting a 60-game get. Reed, I think the number is 40 games, to be honest with you. I, okay. don't think they'll, I don't think they'll go below 40 games. And I don't know how they get everybody to training camp December 29th, but somebody told me today there's a distinct possibility we could be looking at. And I don't know how you do that in Canada. Like, I, I, I don't know how you make that come to fruition. Well, how do you do it in California? They can't play games there. Well, they can play outside. Aren't they going to play outside the LA? Well, games? yeah, I guess the LA could play their whole season outside. Uh, Reed, the, 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 <laughs> here's, here's the deal. Your listeners right now to the show – they're having to amend and be flexible, and some of them have been absolutely crushed in their private businesses, and others are sitting there and they've been they've lost their jobs, and there's some in the public sector that have lost their jobs. People have to be flexible in these situations, and nobody has appetite for millionaires squabbling with um, a representative for the billionaire owners of the team. And I think most people get it. Hey, there's no money coming in. How the hell are we going to pay these guys? So there's common sense is going to have to prevail at some point, Reed. All right. So you're saying I'm being closed-minded that I don't want the LA Kings to play their entire season outside? <laughs> no. I'm just joke. I'm just joking. I, I, Reed, I, I, after by now I know your sense of humor <laughs> and how completely goofy and odd it really is. Thank you. Well, that's a perfect lead into the quiz for Stoffer. How excited uh, are no. you for this one? Well, a lot. I didn't do very well last week, so I'm going to have to make it happen here. What do we got? All right. The three categories are uh, Expos relief pitchers, Oilers goaltenders, and the 1996 men's 100-meter Olympic final. Okay. Uh, Let's go. We will go Oilers goaltenders. for. No, we'll save that for last. Okay. Uh, Let's go 1996 Olympic final. Go for it. 
Frankie Fredericks finished second to Donovan Bailey in that race in 1996. What country did he represent? And the hint is he remains that country's only Olympic medalist with four. This is a hard one. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Frankie oh boy. Fredericks. Frankie Fredericks, the, uh, was he not the, didn't they call him the Flash? Or, no, that was uh, Frankie Frisch, the Fordham Flash. Did you know that? I did not know that. Oh, uh, you know what? I was going to say Trinidad and Tobago, but they've had multiple. Was it Namibia? Yes. It's Namibia. You got it, baby. There we go. He got two silvers in 92 and two in 96. Oh, that's a great start. Okay, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to know this one, though. Well, you should know this one. What Montreal Expo reliever led the majors with 41 saves in 1985? 85, Montreal Expo's reliever. So that was before, was that, oh, was that Lee Smith? Because no, Hill was what, what year was Ken Hill? Ken Hill was in the nineties. Yeah, he in. was early nineties, and Wetland was there in the early nineties. This guy was there on the uh, eighty-one team that went to the postseason. He later won the World Series with the uh, Twins in in eighty-seven, and I believe he had a playoff appearance with Boston, and he definitely had one with Atlanta because the Blue Jays hit a big home run off him. Ed Sprague. Ed Sprague uh, hit the big home run off this guy now, in ninety-two. Okay, I, I don't know. Who was it? You're, well, you're going to be mad because I know you know this guy, Jeff Reardon. Oh, he had the worst cheesy... <laughs> remember how that beard he had going on? Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I thought you would knew that. You would know that one. I'm sorry. You're a little yeah. mad. You're a little mad about I, I, that one, I'm aren't a, you? I'm upset. Go for it on Oilers goalies. And if you try to pull like a Tyler Buns out, we're going to have to go. It's going to be go time, Reed. Well, it's even better. You're going to like this one. Uh, in 1987-88, Grant Fuhrer played 75... 75- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Five games for the Oilers. Name the three other goaltenders who made appearances that season. In 87-88. Yeah. Well, Daryl Ray Ray was one for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I would say, uh, well, Bill, uh, 87-88, they made the trade for Andy Moog, so Bill Ranford. Absolutely. You've talked about this other guy, and you've talked about yeah. the nickname, yeah. the last name yeah. nickname. Yeah. yeah, Warren Skorodensky. Yeah, and what do you call him? Warren Score against me when he was with the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> well, you did pretty well. You got two out of three, and really, you should have got three out of three, to be fair. Yeah, I feel shame. Uh, but I, I, I'm just, in, in the 84, just read, I want you to, uh, I'm just, I'm going to type up Skorodensky here. Just for fun, uh, in 8485, at the age of 24, he had a 786 save percentage and a goals against average of 11 in the playoffs that year, and that was against Edmonton. As you know, what was the highest scoring series in NHL playoff history, Reed Wilkins? Uh, it was Edmonton, Chicago. It was only a six game series. Only they didn't a even six go seven game series. And Murray Bannerman uh, and Warren Skordensky got lit up in that series. So was that the one that had the 12 8 game? 
No, that was a regular season game. The 12-9 game was a regular season game. Oh, sorry. Okay. And, again, one day we're going to have to have a little bit of fun on the show, Reed, where we do a little bit of recon and figure out the games where Messier was hurt and Glenn Anderson was on the wing with Yari Curry and Wayne Gretzky together because I personally believe that is the highest scoring line in NHL history. When those oh, three like when those three guys played together because there were like they lost a game 12-8 to Toronto those guys were all over the scoreboard they beat Chicago 12-9 they were all over the scoreboard but yeah that 12-9 game was a regular season game now they I think they did they not hit triple digit, uh, digits three times in that series in 85 what do you think is that uh, is, so now we're sorry so now we're going to a different series we're going we're going to 84-85 uh, the series between Edmonton and Chicago, and I could have sworn Edmonton got triple digits, three I'm separate. Trying. No, yeah, they I think did. they did. They, I'm going. They, only, they won eleven two. They won seven three. The Hawks won five two and eight six at home. The Oilers right. went. The Oilers won ten five, and then they went into Chicago in uh, game six and won eight two. And Reed, uh, it was in the eight six game that Dave Semenko had a bad back, and Ben Wilson was as tough as they come, and he 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 got the upper hand on Sammy, and then Donnie Jackson went and fought him in game five, early in game five, to set the stone. But yeah, the Oilers only they only Reed got double digits twice in a six game series in a conference final only who do you have tomorrow uh we have elliot friedman for our friends at the river creek resort casino uh, mark specter for horse racing alberta and jack michaels you may have heard of him from the orders radio network bob this was a blast man thanks for coming on i can't believe i didn't get jeff reardon i'm i feel shame that is bob stauffer Oilers now noon to two every day here on 6 30 chad we had to call a quick timeout Bob Stoffer on the show did pretty well on the quiz for Stoffer. Peter writes in, he says, I hate to say it, but Bob might be the smartest guy I've ever listened to when it comes to sports history. The man has an incredible memory. Uh, absolutely. Uh, that's why we started doing the quiz for Stoffer because I just started throwing weird questions at him and he would often get them right. He did have Brian Burke on today who was talking about math in the NHL. The owners have said to the players, the math doesn't work. And the players are like, well, we just signed this deal in March. And now you're telling us we have to renegotiate it. And the answer is yes. The assumptions that went into that document aren't there. And they've got a force majeure clause. They've got the right to pull the plug on playing at all. So if the owners are playing and they got the ace of spades, they got that one trump card that can beat every card in the deck, we're not playing. I had a GM tell me that if they play this year, they'll lose $60 million. If they don't play, they'll lose 15 Guess what he's going to vote? So I think we need to play, and the players have to be part of the solution. And just say, well, we signed a deal in March. It, it can't have changed. We can't do a new deal now. Yes, you can, or you're not going to play. And they're going to, if they stay at these numbers, and I talked to an owner last night, I said, walk me through this, because I'm really, I don't understand how the players could be taking this position. This is a collective bargaining. Like, we're not trying to come up with a new system. We have a system. This is how we allocate the money. It's 50-50. So if the players say, no, we want to be paid in full, even though we're only going to play 60 games, 
We'll do the 20% cap on escrow, and that's it, and a 10% deferral. So we'll take a 20% wage cut. When the owners are taking a 50% revenue cut, guess what? It doesn't work. And I've been saying this for some time, and it's just now coming to light. And people are saying, well, we just signed in March. We can't do another deal. Well, yeah, you're going to have to. A little bit there from Brian Burke earlier today. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. Hey, big 50-50 draw on Saturday. The double-A football team putting on another one. You can get a ticket through esks.com between 10 and 8 on Saturday. The money is going to help out the Edmonton Huskies, the Edmonton Wildcats, and the U of A Golden Bears, whose head coach Chris Morris is coming up next. to have you tuning in tonight. Alexis Lafreniere will not be released by the New York Rangers to go play in the World Juniors. That tournament starts in Edmonton on Christmas Day. Canada's first game is on Boxing Day. Some uh, discussions today between the NHL and the Players Association, according to Pierre Lebrun, though he uh, did add the lines of communication remain open. No major developments that I'm aware of. Actually, he said there was ongoing contact which I suppose technically isn't the same as actually having discussions or, or, or negotiations. They, they, they just have, uh, have ongoing contact, which I guess doesn't mean they actually made any progress. Anyway, the story goes on and on. Hey, I'm pleased to welcome back to the show a three-time Grey Cup champion, now the head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team. It is Chris Morris. Chris, how are you doing? Great, great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's nice to talk to you again. Thanks for fitting us in. I, I, I appreciate that we've been able to stay in touch and have you on the show through uh, what turned out to be a non-season. I'm going to throw one at you here because I don't think we've ever talked about this because you know I you know I like good stories. Where were you when you were drafted eighth overall by the Edmonton team in 1992? Where was I? Actually, I was in Hamilton. I was in there. was like an auditorium there. So I was just sitting in the, in the stands waiting to get waiting to get called. So, yeah, I was sitting there with uh, with actually a buddy of mine from university. And so you were you were aware you were going to go pretty high, probably. Yeah, well, they asked me to be there. Like the you know the CFL asked certain guys to come, and I, I yeah I I I'd won the like lineman of the year trophy and all that sort of stuff in years in in previous years. So I thought or I, I didn't think, I guess they thought I would go relatively high. So I was sitting there and waiting and I, <laughs> it got to the eighth pick and I'm like, man, it's cool. We're getting to the second round here. So <laughs> I don't know pretty soon. It's, it's getting lonely here in the stands. So. <laughs> okay. I didn't realize yours was in person because for the, uh, everything I can remember, and certainly in my media career, the CFL has been kind of a virtual type experience somewhere. They, sometimes they will have a player there in that city if he happens to be there, but you, yours was actually an event. I didn't realize that. Yeah, watch well, how old I am, Reed. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a few of us sitting there. They flew a bunch of us in. So, yeah, it was good. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, my favorite one is Nathan Dempsey, who was drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs growing up uh, in Edmonton, was um, was bagging groceries at a Save on Foods. And uh, someone phoned him and said, you got drafted. And he was like, okay, I got to go finish my shift now. There's groceries to put, 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 put away. So, so bad. There's the smile yeah. on his face anyway. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, well, hey, thanks a lot for checking in. But let's. Uh, I mean, it's Thursday night. There's no Thursday night football because the third last week's Thursday nighter was yesterday, and this week's Thursday nighter. I can't even remember when it is. It's Monday. I think. I think it's Monday. Yeah. It might be Tuesday. Um, look, it, Pitts, Pittsburgh's undefeated. But I'm going to throw this question at you, and maybe it's counterintuitive, but I think you're, you're going to know why I'm going to ask this. Pittsburgh's undefeated, but are they the best team in the NFL? Yeah, you know what? It's true. It's a great, it's a great question. Like, I think Pittsburgh's a great team. But, I, I, you know, you get down to a one-game scenario, and, and, you know, the guy that they got at quarterback throws the ball really well, but he doesn't, like, you know, you look at Russell Wilson or Mahomes or some of those guys can make some things happen that uh, – that you know an older stationary guy may not be able to so i, I don't know like i you know I, i've always liked pittsburgh you know they're a tough team good defense and all those sort of things but i just don't know if they're dynamic enough to be the best team but they are they are undefeated for now but remember the the patriots were undefeated all the way up to the super bowl at one point too right so right. you never know what's going to happen in the playoffs okay i'm going to throw another one at you what, what do you think is harder to defend against these mobile quarterbacks or a runner who's very unique because he's huge, or a runner like Derrick Henry, like who, kind of a you know fifty or like a rock in a hard place. But like who who would give a defensive coordinator more fits to try and shut down, like a Mahomes or a Wilson or a Henry? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard with, with the Henry because you need other pieces for Henry. Like you need a good old line. If you don't, if you don't have a bunch of of tough guys in the offensive line that can block like Henry's not really a factor. Um, whereas Mahomes, like he can make stuff happen, even in the absence of, of really good blocking. It's just, it's a different sort of thing. Like you, that pounding running game. If you have some guys up front that can get after people and a back who finishes runs, you can go a long way with that, but that's, you need a bunch of pieces for that to happen. Mahomes makes stuff happen. Honestly, like I think, sometimes by himself like there's stuff going on where guys are getting beat up front and he just you can't tackle him because he's a better athlete than anybody in the front seven so he gets out of that stuff and then he looks downfield and he's got some you know obviously hill's a great receiver and he's got he got some he's got some weapons but he makes those guys look really good too because now he's scrambling around and you know you can't hold on to a guy for you know five or six seconds and you, you know there's holes and zones after five and six seconds as well so i just i just think you know read it always starts and ends if you have a quarterback who's special you're going to go a long way and, and they're you know running backs are great and offensive lines are great and all those other things man it's it's always been a game about the guy guy taking the snap and if you have that guy you got a shot i just my opinion who was the most physical running back you ever blocked for? Like, I know Pringle was there late in your career and in his career. Um, but who was that guy where you thought, like, you know, obviously as, as an old lineman, you wanted to get him as many free yards as possible, but you had faith that if he, if he took a hit, he could continue the run. Yeah, I played, I played with a bunch of really good backs. Like, I played with a guy named Avery for a couple of years who was oh, a yeah. back. Really, really, like, all you had to do was be on a guy for a split second and he was gone. But, but Reed, there was no one like Pringle. Like, Pringle was a tough, tough dude. Like, he, the, the guys on defense didn't want anything to do with him. If you were on your guy, like, honestly, I told, I was telling my offensive line the other day that, like, you know, if you were in practice and you weren't off the football, like getting up field five yards, like he, like he'd run over rookies in camp and run over guys and just look, like put his helmet right through their back, right? And it's like, he, like he demanded that everybody got off the football and 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 ran hard. Like I I remember playing against Hamilton here, then there was some young linebacker who who 
was talking to him, and he talked to him and talked to him. And Mike in the huddle was just, Mike would just get into a rage, just a just a rage, right? He's like, you. And, he, and anyway, we just we blocked everybody up, and he came through on that guy, and he knew coming through the line of scrimmage that it was him and that guy in the hole. And he just blew that guy. Sh- I, the guy, I don't think I ever played again. I think he blew his shoulder into like a thousand pieces. It was it. They carried him off. He was done. And Mike's in the huddle. <laughs> yeah, he's a tough dude. Man. He's a different kind of guy. Oh well, he was he was a, a joy to watch. I mean, obviously the majority of his career with uh, with Montreal, but he, he spent a couple of seasons here. And, and uh, was it '03? He helped you get yeah, because because you guys got Troy Davis in '05, right? Yeah, yeah, and we had, uh, yeah, we had Pringle in 03, 05, yeah, we had Davis. No, sorry, I'm trying to think here. Um, I know Pringle was with us in 03. Um, I think 02 is when we had Avery and when we had, uh, and 03, you're right, we did have Davis in 05, you're right. And he was a different kind of back than Mike, but, uh, you know, a really talented back as well. Avery, Avery was... Is, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. And one thing about when I played, we had good teams. Like, we always had, like, like I don't know, like, we never missed the playoffs as part of the Eskimos, right, or the Eskimo football team now. We never missed, because we all, like, Campbell and, and, and Higgins and all the guys we had that were running the team, there were always enough pieces there for us to be competitive. Now, you know, there was a mindset on the team, but we, we never lacked the pieces we needed to be successful. Yeah, yeah, those are so. And that, I mean, to me, that o two to o five era, even even the o one team, I know didn't have a great record, but it was exciting, right? Because Moss was Moss replaced Nilon and was chucking it around. I know, I know, the West Final didn't go great, but I, I, there were some good memories of that season too. Okay, so the fifty fifty, uh, the double E's putting one on on, on Saturday. And it's going to help the Wildcats, Huskies, and you guys with the Golden Bears, Chris. Um, and, and you and I have talked. I mean, you're 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 still trying to build and build and build. And I, I know it comes down to more than just money, but <laughs> the, the money helps for a lot of reasons. Well, yeah, you're like you know when you're talking, and we're you know we're a top ten team now. We're we're kind of where we want to be as far as being able to compete with everybody now. But the reality is, Reed, when you look at who we're competing against. And you're looking at teams that have, you know, three, four, five full-time paid assistant coaches. You know, you're looking at teams that everybody in our conference pretty much has all, all 32, 33 scholarships um, covered every single year because you're, there's a scholarship cap in Canada of 33 scholarships. And, you know, <laughs> it's about $200,000, I guess, 200-something thousand dollars, depending on how much... Uh, how much each kid's uh, program cost them. You know, when, when I first got here to U of A, I think they handed out $35,000 a year before. So, you know, when you look at U of A handing out thirty five and Calgary handing out $200,000, there's no, there's no mystery as to why, you know, U of A was behind, right? So now we've chipped away at that, and now we're, we're very, very competitive on the scholarship front. We have lots of great donors, and the Eskimos are, are certainly one of them. And that's a huge, huge difference for us, being able to, uh, you know, being able to keep those top Northern Alberta kids here. I know when I first started here, Saskatchewan had just pilfered Alberta and Northern Alberta specifically, and so had Calgary. There were a bunch of all-stars and, and all Canadians and all those sort of kids that were just from right around here, and none of them were playing for U of A, well, very few of them at that point in time. And we've done a really, really good job, and the Eskimos have really helped us be able to to have the scholarship we we need to make sure guys stay home here and play and even to attract some of the top guys from other communities. So that's, it's such a huge part of, you know, if you want to look people in the eye and say, we're, we're taking our best shot at being a, a competitive program and winning a Vanier cup, 
if you don't have that scholarship money, you're really not, you know, you're not really a viable program. And we, and yeah. we certainly have been, and a lot of it has to do with the Eskimo support. Yeah, well said. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a big day on Saturday. I mean, pe- people love 50-50s, and they, as they've proven a few times this year, they love online 50-50s, Chris. So yeah. uh, I hope that's a big day for you guys and, and the Huskies and the Wildcats. Uh, quickly here before I let you go, and maybe there's no update, but we talked about it a few weeks ago. Any update on the possibility of spring football, whether it's ex- 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 exhibition, jamboree, anything like that? Yeah, you know what, Reed? If everyone would just start listening to what we're saying about staying isolated and taking care of things and taking care of each other. There'll be all sorts of wonderful things in the spring, but the way things are going right now, I just don't even know, you know, things keep going up. If the numbers keep going up the way they are right now, I don't know if there's going to be anything going on the spring either. I'm very confident there'll be football next fall, but you know, the, the reality is if you look across Western Canada, almost every community is the caseloads are exploding right so unless we do something as individual people to change that and make some different decisions and all those sort of things then you know there's not gonna be a lot of spring anything going on all right chris hey thanks for coming on of course we'll talk again soon uh help chris's golden bears and the huskies and wildcats get some 50 50 tickets off esks.com between 10 and 8 on saturday we'll talk to you soon sir thanks very much Reed. talk to you soon Chris Morris, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team. Always enjoy having him on the show. It is 746. Oh, my goodness. You guessed it. It's Name the Animal when we get back. is this Kellen? this is the zoo by the scorpions all right how fitting it's time to play name the animal in which kellen kennedy plays an animal making a noise it's noise and i have to guess what it is i'm over two so on tuesday we had this <laughs> That is a cougar. I guessed it was a bird. (laughs) Yesterday we had this. I guessed it was some sort of a pig. And it was a raven. It was a raven, yes. Quote the raven, that. That's what it says. So now, night number three, I'm going to try to do somewhat better. I'm very nervous. Do you have the sound ready, Kellen? I do. I kind of feel like Jack Hanna, like when he was on the Tonight Show and that stuff, he'd bring out all the animals and everything. But you look, you look just like him. <laughs> all right, all right. Now, don't give me any hints, or, or, do you, or do you want to set it up? Because when you've set it up, I've done quite poorly. No, this is uh, this is just a. It's a commonly found animal. That's it. A <laughs> commonly found animal well, that narrows it down to about half a million. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Okay, is it a mammal? Yes. Is it a skunk? It is not. Is it close? Uh, Is it close to a skunk? No, no, it isn't. (laughs) Okay, so it's a mammal. 
Is it is it around the size of a skunk? It's a little larger than a skunk. Is it larger than a dog? Uh, no, it's a smaller size than a dog. Is it is it actually a dog? Is it a puppy? It it, it would be part of the canine genus. Yes. Oh, but it's not a dog, though. It is not a dog. Okay, is it a coyote? No. A coyote. Is it a coyote? Uh, is it a wolf? No. Is it found in Alberta? Yes. Uh, so what am I missing? So it's a canine-type animal, but it's not an actual dog. It's not a wolf. It's not a coyote. Uh, what am I missing? Is it, it's, not, it's not domesticated, then. No, it is not. Well, not commonly domesticated. Not, not commonly. So what, what it, dog? It, it, it would be an exotic pet if somebody had it. Is, oh, somebody, somebody's helping me out. Is it a fox? It is a fox. It is a fox. Thank you to, uh, I believe the username is TJP. Oh, yeah, play some more of that. All right. That's a fox. I feel like I did slightly better, but still not very good. <laughs> D did you know that foxes actually can laugh? Listen to this. Dixie. Now, if you would have given me that, I would have thought of, uh, I would have probably said raccoon or something like that. <laughs> so I said skunk. And then I asked if it was a mammal. And then I, I did not bad getting on to the... Uh, well, dog-like yeah. type thing. Yeah, you you were feeling it's it. It's still just... not very good. I thought it, I thought by day three I would have got one on the first try. This is actually a lot harder than than I thought it would be mm -hmm. because I've realized I don't really know what a lot of animals sound like, and when you and when you don't have the visual, then I I guess that makes it even harder. Mm -hmm. Or I also I'm just extremely dumb, which yeah, is also possible. You're fighting from a dis disadvantage because you're listening to it, right? And you're trying to, to <laughs> it's feeder to mind. Whereas you know I'm got the video here, so it's visual, right? So. But here's the thing: we wouldn't if you would have played the elk noise for me. I never would have got the elk noise. No, like we had no yeah, idea that, that elk sounded like that. Exactly. I just blindly clicked on that on Monday and played it. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. So. So we've had a cougar, a raven, and a fox. You've done a mm -hmm. good job. Nice, nice variety. I'm wondering where else you're going to go because there are, I've heard there are a lot of different animal species on the planet. Uh, apparently That's what is, I've yes. read. <laughs> that's what I've read when in reading about Noah's Ark. That's, that's what I've read. Okay, so we've had a cougar, a raven, and a fox. Mm -hmm. Uh... This texture says, I had a fox for eight years. And the laugh was most of the time, and at least the female made a great pet. So somebody had a f pet fox. That's pretty cool. Interesting. Well, we'll name the animal again tomorrow so you can all listen to me fail going into the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You heard from Bob Stoffer and Chris Morris tonight. Thanks to everybody who texted and called. Thanks for the Star Trek chat as well. Don't forget, Bob has Oilers now, noon to 2 tomorrow. We'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. We'll have a couple of special guests. We actually have a couple of guys uh, lined up to talk about their pro hockey careers, so it'll be uh, good to catch up with these gentlemen. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy spins the animal noises. My name's Reed. I'm off to watch Star Trek Discovery. Have a great night. 
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.